While Dame Jane Campion was in the spotlight at this year's Oscars, Kia ora, kia ora, e Aotearoa, New Zealand and Australia. Kiwi film industry bosses were behind the scenes celebrating and telling Hollywood New Zealand was open for business. We're joined from LA by the New Zealand Film Commission's CEO, David Strong. Morena, David. Nice to have you with us. Are you, are you, are you, I don't want to be... This is a personal question. You can say, bugger off, John, it's none of your business. But are you hungover? <laughs> um, it was a great night. All this was going on in LA while another drama was quietly playing out back home. And David Strong was right at the centre of it. Lawyers became involved. Legal letters were exchanged. And... Strong himself, you know, he should have been at the absolute apex of his his career. You know, the power of the dog was doing very well at the Oscars. He's out there working the New Zealand angle in LA. Uh, We've got a whole week of meetings lined up. In fact, after this, I've got Sony uh, and then Disney, uh, Warner's, Universal, etc. They're all very interested in coming down to New Zealand. And he basically comes back and a few days later he goes on leave and he's still on leave now. Still on leave and earning $6,000 a week. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, the true story of the industry boss, his film script, the public money and why the lawyers have been called in. All set in a sector where there's a scramble for government funding that keeps the cameras rolling. Duncan Grieve is the spin-off CEO and publisher. He broke the story. I actually heard about it on on a Friday and it was one of those stories where you're like, that sounds incredible on the face of it, but I know this is a very gossipy industry and often, you know, once you chase something down, there's not as much to it as, as it first appeared. So I sort of left it for a couple of days and I found myself with a bit of time and started making some calls and as is typical for the industry, no one wanted to go on the record, but Everyone you spoke to said, yes, this is absolutely a story and it's it's completely a, as as described. And uh, so I was able to actually assemble the bones of it very quickly and I think we published maybe the following, the following afternoon and because it just came together very quickly because everyone would, would sort of, you know, give you a new nugget or a new detail or a, a new document and... It did seem like something that had been seething within the industry for a couple of months and then just suddenly popped. It's complicated, right? It's, it's David Strong, the chief executive, who started in the role only a year ago. But by that time, he was already involved in a project. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so he'd been working in the industry for 15 years or so. He's, he's ex-military and his roles had tended to be on big productions in in areas where that background was was useful where there was you know potentially like explosives involved or or maybe elements of realism that needed to map out of that and so it's such a huge and complex industry that there are any number of ways in and that just happened to be his and he as with many people who who have ended up in the industry nursed the stream of a of a screenplay it was actually originally told, you know, when I first heard about it, they, they described it as akin to a biopic. 
it absolutely isn't that, but it does draw on his experiences, which is again very typical for a a project of this nature. You know, like I think it's it's super normal for someone to have a a dream project in their back pocket that they sort of chip away at and potentially work on with with a partner and know that it could be years before anything happens, if it happens at all. And so he'd been working his way through the industry while, you know, workshopping this this project, The Pilgrim, was the working title. And a few years earlier, I think, that TVNZ expressed interest and Great Southern, which is one of the biggest production companies in in New Zealand, became attached to it. And it's still in development, which takes a long, long time to get through. But basically it had just started to heat up at the exact same time as he was, you know, getting into the advanced stages of it being in the running for chief executive of the the film commission, which is also an incredibly important role. So the irony, you know, I I feel for him in, in many respects because those are two dream situations and they just happen to come at once. So by the time he was appointed chief executive in July last year, where was the pilgrim at? This all gets quite complicated in that, you know, to, to fund a major production like the pilgrim, there is a very limited number of avenues and almost all of them involve some degree of public money or government participation. So it could be funded by New Zealand On Air, it could be funded potentially by the Film Commission or some combination of the two, often with an an outside party. So, you know, you might have like a a broadcaster from another country that will go halves on with the production and they both sell into the domestic markets. Um, And there's also this thing called, they call colloquially the SPIG, the the Screen Production Grant, uh, which which is basically a rebate on any money spent in in a production here. And then there was this extra layer that during COVID, there was a premium drama fund, which got into the mix as well. So at that point, a lot of projects which were sort of doing their trudge through the system suddenly got their ears up, got a bit excited because there was just this extra pot of money around. And it was at that point that the Pilgrim, I think, moved from one speed to a, to a more accelerated lane. And this was at the same time as, as Strong was in the late stages of his interviewing for the Film Commission chief executive position. It's important to note that, that Strong declared this the whole way through. This was all pretty well known within certain aspects of the industry. And I personally think that, that you know, if there is any blame to be cast, it's not to him. The board of the Film Commission should likely have figured out a better posture to the project than the the one it did. Let's pause the story there and recap. David Strong has a project called The Pilgrim, and you can read about this on the Film Commission's website. The Pilgrim got NZ On Air money to develop it into a TV drama series. Around the same time, Strong was in the final stages of being appointed head of the Film Commission. Now, just a reminder how public funding works for this industry. NZ On Air funds television, Te Mangai Paho finances Māori broadcasting. But the Film Commission's job is more than putting money into films, and that's a crucial point. It 
both funds the development and making of films in New Zealand, but it's also tasked with sort of marketing New Zealand as a a destination or as a great place to produce films around the world and helping broker deals between New Zealand projects and um, places that might distribute them with a direct-to-consumer or or into cinemas, that kind of thing. So invariably, the chief executive and senior executives at the Film Commission, because of the amount of public money that is around in those various funds, are highly courted by the industry. You know, that, that's the sort of the backdrop at when, the, when he got the project. And, and he never attempted to hide it. You know, his bio on the Film Commission website, it made prominent mention of the Pilgrim as almost as like part of his bona fides, that this is why he's, he's a good yeah. person for the role. He understands what it's like to have to nurse a project through the various stages. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of backdrop to, to where we were in, in March of this year, when this thing really started to explode. It started with Dame Kerry Prendergast, the current chair, sending a letter not just to Sparta but to all the guilds, uh, the screen guilds, saying that they had a conflict of interest situation and they were managing it. Irene Gardner is president of Sparta, the Screen Producers Guild. She's explaining what happened when the letter was sent out earlier this year. And it was to do with the CEO, David Strong, having a, an active screen project that he was working on. He, he was the writer of that project and he was working with Great Southern, one of the bigger production companies. And we looked at the letter and thought, whoa, that doesn't actually sound like a conflict of interest that you can manage. It, you, you can't have the head of one of your major funding agencies still you know, swimming in the production waters. You know, there's precedent of that. People let go of their projects, their assets, whatever. So we actually sent a barrister's letter because we wanted to have a little bit of an arm's length thing because obviously the relationship between Sparta and the Film Commission is quite important. And that began the process. David was stood down and the independent review was put in place. So, yeah, we did have quite a major input into that. Did you call for the review? No, we just said we think this is an unacceptable situation and, you know, needs some serious remedy. Um, I think we were sort of thinking, you know, perhaps the CEO would have to pick between his project or the Film Commission job. We weren't exactly specific and it was the commission itself that launched the review, which makes it a little bit tricky now to talk about it because it, you know, it is yeah. under, under the process. And David Strong is still the chief executive. And do you know whether the series is still, there's still work going on with It was that? only in the development stage and I don't know, I, I really don't know whether it's got past that or, or what. What's the connection between SPADA, your organisation, and the Film Commission? There's no connection as such. I mean, we're a screen guild. We represent the producers, the screen producers of New Zealand and their interests. But obviously, it's incredibly important to us that our big funding agencies are functioning really well. And not only that, that, you know, there's nothing happening that could in any way damage the reputation of the screen industry because that affects all of our membership because that is us. So, yeah, it's an important relationship, just as the NZ On Air one is. 
If you're outside the industry and you don't quite get what all the fuss is about, here's why. The difference between getting a project and not getting a project in terms of its funding or or commissioning is life-changing. So if that's your project, if you're the writer or if you're a director, a producer, anyone around it, the fact that you got it or the fact that you didn't is is an enormous thing in your life. It's career-altering because, as we know, a, a hit film changes the lives of everyone involved. A film that's not commissioned obviously does the opposite. And I think that's why the the Film Commission chief executive has historically been seen as someone who has to be completely above suspicion. We know that a former chief executive of the Film Commission, Dave Gibson, he sold off everything. Yeah, Dave Gibson sold the Gibson Group, you know, like the company which literally... Uh, bore his name when he went into that role, which would have been a wrenching thing. That thing had been built up over decades. And even that, incidentally, doesn't mean that no one's going to whisper about him or, or kind of assume that he has particular friendships. And this goes on in television. You know, this, this is Wherever there is heavy government participation in the sector, this is essentially an inevitability. Yeah. It doesn't mean that anyone's done anything wrong. It just means that these are the kind of standing conditions under which the industry operates. The fact that Strong did not divest himself of the project or push pause on the project, you know, maybe that suggests a naivety on his part. And certainly on the board's part, they did not clock the fact that this would be seen as as a real problem, that it's not just something that can be declared because, you know, fundamentally, and I'm not saying this is true, but there, it's always the potential that there would be a suspicion that because he had been working with TVNZ and Great Southern on this project, that projects that they were attached to might be looked upon more favourably as a result. No one's suggesting that that actually happened, but the the fact that it could be, be perceived that way when there are millions of dollars and, and dozens of careers at stake on a big project... I think it's, it's natural to understand that it could, could mm. end up looking that way. As the review dragged on, outspoken screen producer John Barnett called for its chair, Dame Kerry Prendergast, to go. And last month, ex-Damian Smith quizzed the minister, Carmel Sepuloni. Are you aware of what's going on at the, at the Film Commission? I, I'm certainly aware of the um, conflict of, of interest allegations, uh, but it's not for me to manage or get involved in. Basically, it's become something where there is a, a lawyer looking into to how it's been handled. It's dragging on the way these things tend to, especially in that the nexus of culture and, and business. Basically, since then, he's been on leave and Prendergast has been replaced as, as chair of the, the Film Commission with Alistair Carruthers. Now, Prendergast was at the end of her term, but certainly this is not how she would have wanted to end it with this, this imbroglio surrounding the, the, the whole commission and its relationship quite severely damaged with probably the most important guild uh, mm. that, it, that it interacts with. So... It's being addressed, or is there is there kind of something else to this? Is this really damaging? I think it is damaging. I, I, in some respects, I don't know how Strong can return to the role after such a long period of time away, given that he'd only been in the role relatively 
you know, for a relatively short period of time. It's hard to imagine him returning to it with his mana intact, even if the, the thing vindicates him. So on some level, you wonder if they're not actually just working out a settlement, but when that settlement is inevitably going to come out of the commission and therefore the public purse, that's, that's also a, a sort of a tricky situation. But you understand for him, like this this role was an extraordinary one and not one he'll get a second shot at again, certainly not after this. Where is the pilgrim at? Uh, again, I think that that's a really fascinating element to it because on some level that's where he might naturally return to. It certainly isn't spiked by any means, but once a project gets a bit of a taint on it, it, it can be quite hard to recover. So right now I, I assume it's in a similar kind of limbo to him, working through development and the, the sort of various funds and funding rounds that govern the, the rhythms of this industry. Who knows? But it's certainly... The film industry and you know, and, and the screen industry more broadly is one that is kind of ripe for situations like this, but the fate of the pilgrim is really like a, a very extra example of, of what goes on in there. Do we know how much public funding the pilgrim has got so far? I'm not certain exactly how much funding it's got, but at the moment it's in the sort of development realm where the sums tend to be a lot Lower. That tends to be when when writers and, and showrunners are sort of figuring out the key elements of the plot, and and before they start to do the heavy lifting of, of uh, commissioning directors and and building and all, all of the things that are really expensive about making a, a production happen. What about the role of the minister in all of this? The sense I have from talking to people within the screen production industry is that that their most strongly held perspective is that this was a a failure of governance and most of the sort of frustration tends to be placed upon um, Prendergast as as chair. So there is always a bit of a a line between, uh, you know, like the the board and the minister in a situation like this and and certainly a more involved or activist minister might have wanted to to get involved and... um, sort of draw some hard lines. But equally, it's a very noisy industry. If you look at the fundamental nature of what people are getting so wound up about, I think the average person in the street would sort of shrug and go, they're getting how much money to do what? And so I think it's it's probably of limited, broader political impact. So you can understand that you know, the, the smart play might be just to say, it's the board's problem, we're going to let them figure it out. There's a natural exit point, which is fortunate in some respects in, in Prendergast leaving. But, you know, there's a lot of odd things about the, the Commission Board and that there are quite a few seats which are either open or, or where terms have, have expired. So, you know, there probably is due someone, likely the Minister, to get involved and, and try and use it as an opportunity to kind of reset the culture and expectations. But in terms of the specific moment, while there is, you can understand that People would want the minister involved. I also understand why they might be like, I'm not getting involved in that. And as you say, it's, it's, it is an interesting industry because there's a lot of noise and yet it's really hard to get people to go on the record about this. Is that sort of symptomatic that we're a tiny country, everybody knows everybody, everybody's kind of intertwined in various things? Yeah, I think so. It's a... It's a small industry, heavy government participation, very relationship-based, and where the, you know, like I said, the, the 
volatility between getting a project and not getting a project is enormous. So naturally, people scrutinise funding decisions very heavily. When they don't get something, they're understandably pretty mad about it. When they do, they feel vindicated, like like the system works. That That is why you get that sense of, a lot of people talking. You know, if, if your project didn't get funded, you've got nothing but time. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're likely to spend time at bars and over kitchen tables kind of thinking about who did and didn't, didn't get things. These are all entirely understandable, uh, you know, realities of it. But um, that does kind of drive, I think, some of the, the industry. It's, it's an extraordinary one. It's, it's done amazing things for New Zealand. And, you know, I think by any measure our cultural output through the screen production industry is far greater than you'd anticipate from any random set of of five million people Um, we've made amazing use of the natural resources that we have here too but it does just have this fundamental dynamic and likely always will. In the end does it make any difference to the films and the tv shows that we put out? I think it probably does make a, a difference in some respects. I think whenever you have a large part of the industry or a large element of it in, in Sparta that is, is really wound up about this, whenever you have a vacuum of leadership at the commission, you know, when you have a vacuum of leadership on the board, you're just not operating at your maximum capacity, your ability to move fast, be dynamic, be decisive. It's all, it's all limited as a result. I don't think there's any current danger of long-term damage, but certainly, you know, at a moment when the, the world is opening up and where, you know, for example, Austria has just increased its uh, screen production grant size, when there's just a lot of motion in that space. We've, you know, we've just lost Lord of the Rings, which was obviously the biggest thing that's ever been here. You want to be focused on building the industry, bringing productions in, and fundamentally right now, because of this episode, none of that's happening because Mm. there is no leader at the most important organisation to the industry. The last couple of years have been very challenging because of COVID, but that's been true across all industries, um, not just the screen industry. But yes, I mean, as you can probably imagine, the stop-start nature on sets as people get sick has been horrendous and has had budget implications, which has affected the funders because they've had to backstop that. Um, Plus there was the period where we couldn't get people into New Zealand, which was, you know, you, you might have a production that's dependent on one actor coming in and they can't. And then I think on top of COVID, we are now in a review phase. The, the government is doing a review into the screen production grant. Remember, that's the incentive or rebate paid to overseas and local producers to make their films in New Zealand. But also under review is the Screen Industry Workers Bill, previously known as the Hobbit Law. And industry players are also closely watching the evolution of the new public media entity involving TVNZ and RNZ and what it means to them. It is quite unfortunate timing because there's a lot going on in the screen industry at the moment. I guess the positive thing, Sparta tries to look for the positive thing, is that a new chair of the Film Commission has been appointed, Alistair Carruthers, who has a really strong background in arts and culture. 
He's due to start at the beginning of October, and I guess we're seeing that as the new broom, and that's when old issues will be resolved. We'll, you know, know what's happening with the chief executive. We'll have a new chair. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Phil Bench and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Alexia Russell. Thanks to Duncan Grieve and Irene Gardner. Mā te wā.